from the heart of the Nipty Radio Recording Studios, high above 107 Columbia Street, with one eye on Eagle Street and the other eye on Warren County, where District Attorney Kate Hogan has been unanimously confirmed by the State Senate to sit on the Court of Claims bench. Congratulations to the District Attorney from her fans here at Nipty Radio. Today we're going to be discussing the representation of cases to the grand jury and the procedures that must be followed in order to prevent a dismissal of that representation. So let's get started. There are a number of different reasons why the district attorney will go back into the grand jury to represent a case. First, the courts may find error in a grand jury presentation and dismiss some or all of the counts in an indictment. In most of these situations, the courts will grant the people leave to represent the case to the same or a new grand jury where they will have the opportunity to correct the original error. The people may, on their own initiative, represent a case to the grand jury because they find evidence supports the charging of additional crimes or they identify an error in the original presentation and choose to correct it before the court inspects the minutes of that original presentation. When the grand jury has voted no true bill on a specific count, the people may not represent this count to a new grand jury or the same grand jury without first securing leave of the court. This will be given when the people have found additional evidence that was not available through due diligence on their part at the time of the first presentation. When the court has, upon inspection of the grand jury minutes, dismissed some or all of the counts, there are time frames in which certain actions must be taken by the people in the representation process. On occasion, there is a confusion on the part of assistant DAs as to what these specific time frames refer. When a count or counts are dismissed, the people may represent the count or counts as long as they have leave from the court, and the basis of the dismissal was one of the reasons enumerated in CPL 210.20 subdivision 4, which includes the most common errors made by assistants in the grand jury, insufficient evidence, failure to properly instruct the panel, as well as the less frequent error of a CPL 19050 violation. The time period for representation is not limited to any particular period other than the remaining speedy trial time, which is governed by CPL Article 30. There are two time periods that apply to other situations related to grand jury minute inspection, which are often misconstrued as a period of time in which a dismissed indictment must be represented. These periods are 45 days and 30 days. Let's take a look at what these actually apply to in the CPL. The 45-day period is the time period in which the court is authorized to set bail or remand the defendant and issue a securing order pursuant to CPL 210.45 subdivision 9 while the representation process is taking place. This time period applies only to how long the securing order or bail can be set on a defendant awaiting for the representation of his or her case. When an indictment is dismissed, the motion court still has the authority to set bail on a defendant while the people are representing the case. If 45 days pass before the case has been represented and a true bill voted, the securing order must be vacated, unless the people can show good cause for its extension and the defendant must be released on his or her own recognizance until there is a new indictment voted or the speedy trial time expires. As clearly written in the final paragraph of CPL 210.459, the expiration of the securing order 
does not terminate the effectiveness of the order authorizing resubmission. Thus, the order authorizing resubmission remains in effect until the speedy trial time has elapsed, and not only to when the 45 days has elapsed. The 30-day period, also believed by some to be the time in which a representation must be made, only applies in cases where counts in the indictment have been reduced by the inspecting court, pursuant to CPL 210.20 subdivision 6. It does not apply as a limitation as to how long you have to represent a count or counts that have been dismissed. When the motion court finds the evidence presented to the grand jury was insufficient to support a count in the indictment, but sufficient to support some lesser included offense of that crime, the court must reduce the greater count and order that the lesser included count be added to the indictment, if it is not already in the indictment. After this ruling is made by the motion court, CPL 210.20 subdivision 6 mandates a 30-day stay on further court action. During this time, the people must choose to proceed by way of one of the three options enumerated in the statute, representation, appeal, or accept the court's ruling by filing a new indictment which includes the reduced count or counts. This indictment does not require the four-person signature. The primary purpose of this stay is to prevent the court from reducing a count and then immediately taking a plea to the new reduced top count. If the people fail to act within those 30 days, the failure to do so will result in the order to reduce taking effect, and you will then be precluded from representing to restore the original count or counts. If you need more time than the 30 days, you must seek this extra time from the court before the 30-day period expires by showing the court some good cause why you need that additional time. Failure to do this will result in the order to reduce taking effect and you will not be able to represent. Now let's take a look at voluntary representation by the people. In the case of People v. Cade from 1989, the Court of Appeals held, thus we consistently held in the past when applying the Code of Criminal Procedure, that a court order was not necessary for resubmission unless there was an initial refusal by a grand jury to indict or a prior court dismissal of the indictment. Nothing in the Criminal Procedure Law was intended to change that rule. Under the present statute, a superseding indictment may also be obtained without court authorization. If the grand jury has voted favorably on the charge, the district attorney is at liberty to represent that matter to the same grand jury without the necessity of recalling witnesses who have previously testified and rehearing of the same evidence, or to an entirely new grand jury without the court approval and obtain a superseding indictment. Now, keep in mind, the district attorney is required to secure the court's permission to represent a case to the grand jury when the first grand jury was unable to reach a decision as to whether to indict or dismiss. The Court of Appeals held in the case of People v. Creedle in 2011 that to represent the case to a new grand jury, leave of the court is required. However, the Creedle Court emphasized that permission should be forthcoming in most situations. The court wrote, It should be stressed that the relevant question for present purposes is not whether representation should in the end be allowed, but who should decide the issue, whether it should be the prosecutor or the court, that judges if representation of a fully submitted but undisposed of count is appropriate. Of course, 
as we said in Wilkins, if the reasons for the withdrawal are legitimate and the underlying circumstances do not provide clear indication that the first grand jury's decisional authority was being subverted, leave to represent should be granted as a matter of course. When determining to represent a case for the purposes of adding additional charges on an already indicted case, please keep the following point in mind. The voluntary representation of a case to the grand jury that results in a dismissal of certain counts or all the counts presented results in the dismissal of those same existing counts as they appear in the originally voted true bill. In People v. Franco, 1995 Court of Appeals case, the court wrote, in each of these cases, the second was insufficient to warrant prosecution of the defendant before the grand jury. This determination, in direct conflict with the indictment voted by the first grand jury, constitutes a legal impediment to conviction of the defendant, as contemplated by the, quote, dragnet clause contained in CPL 21020, subdivision 1H. It was the people's action in representing all of the charges already considered by the prior grand jury that caused the impediment and invalidated the action of the first grand jury. The indictment thus became subject to dismissal. Here is a practical example of what the Franco case demonstrates. Suppose you have an indictment where the top count is assault in the second degree, the defendant causing physical injury with a dangerous instrument. As time passes, the medical records and the victim's condition dictate that it really should be an assault in the first degree. So, you go to a new grand jury panel to present additional evidence of the injury. Now, if you present all of the counts as presented in the first case, and that panel votes no true bill, the first indictment is now null and void. However, if you go to the new grand jury and only vote assault in the first degree, if they vote no true bill on that count, you still have the remaining counts from the original indictment because they were not voted upon by this second panel. An indictment that is dismissed because it was superseded can be properly reinstated when the superseding indictment was found to be procedurally defective. In the case of People v. Frederick from 2009, the First Department held where the court dismissed the indictment pursuant to CPL 200.80 as superseded by a new indictment and subsequently dismissed the superseding indictment as procedurally defective, it properly reinstated the original indictment. The sole reason for dismissing the original indictment was that it was being superseded. However, the superseding indictment was a nullity that effectively left the original indictment in place. Our final question, how many times may a case be represented to a grand jury? The not-so-simple answer is, it depends. If a grand jury dismisses a case, the court may, under the right circumstances, permit the people to represent the case to a new grand jury one additional time. See CPL 190.75 subdivision 3. This two-presentation limit does not apply, however, to the motion court dismissing an indictment for evidentiary deficiencies and the like. When dismissed for evidentiary insufficiencies, the rules for representation are governed by CPL 210.20 sub 4 and not 190.75 subdivision 3. And this imposes no such restriction on the number of representations the court may grant. Please be sure to read today's 
nifty practice tip for all of the case law and statutory citations and authority needed for what we have discussed here. Also, we have very exciting news for you in that coming very soon, as the courts wind down the season and go on vacation, we will be presenting to you who will be having a difficult time getting by without appellate court decisions, our annual NIPTI quizzes. So stay tuned for that. As always, our thanks to our crack producer, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friends. 